0: Welcome to startuprad.io, your podcast and YouTube blog covering the German startup scene with news, interviews, and live events. Hello and welcome everybody, this is Joe from StartupRate.io, your startup podcast and YouTube blog from Germany. Today i bring you another interview in our cooperation with Hessen Trade & Invest under the brand Invest in Hessen. Make sure to check out their website investinhessen.com. Talking about Hessen, the largest city, not the capital but the largest city in Hessen is Frankfurt. And in Frankfurt I do have a guest today, Pascal. Hey Pascal, how you doing? Hi. Um people who are longtime listeners to celebrate.io may recognize you from Coin Analyst, but today we are here due to your venture called Kogia. Kogia uh, we'll talk about pretty soon, but the thing is you got listed mostly unnoticed from anybody else. So we will talk about your story and how you got listed in Düsseldorf. But first and upfront, tell us a little bit about you and what did you uh, and what brought you actually to Kogia to be an entrepreneur.
1: Oh, that's a number one. I'm. Um, I was born and raised in Darmstadt, another city in Hessen, and I'm a real Hessen boy and Italo Hessen uh, boy. And now
0: we created a new category: the Italo Hessen boy.
1: <laughs> yeah, an Italo Hessen boy. And um, yeah, and now I'm happy to live in Frankfurt. Uh, my wife is also from Frankfurt, so that's a real big local play. <laughs> um, I did my my high school like you know it's kind of grammar school in Darmstadt then I went to Canada did my degree in economics uh, major in macroeconomics and I had a, a minor in computer in computer science and my first actually computer language was pascal norman s omen Cool. And after my Canadian experience, I went to Taiwan. Had a chance there to work for a software company two years. I um, learned and picked up some Chinese while I was there. And that company I worked for was uh, actually then acquired by Coral Draw uh, by Corel, sorry, uh, which is another Canadian company. So kind of was kind of cool getting back to the Canadians in Taiwan. And then after two years of that, I went to, I went back to my home country and back to Hessen in a small town called Schwalbach and I worked for Samsung, European head, headquarter there. I was, uh, I joined the SDS, software data systems of Samsung. They made over 1.2 billion in revenues at the time and I was responsible to sell their software, which they're not so famous for, but we did from zero to 10 million um, uh, build up that unit. And yeah, so I was what, actually one of the youngest EMEA managers, uh, at the time with long hair. It was pretty revolutionary for quite conservative, uh, company. Uh, to be, when you live there, it's quite conservative, uh, work there. And then for after that, I had a chance to uh, work for a Silicon Valley company and uh, it's a spin off or like continuation of HP open mail, uh, so it, it, it called Scalix after uh, uh, after Scalix and introducing it for, uh, successfully into Europe. I had another opportunity to introduce and bring to market a company out of New York, out of Silicon Alley, not so famous, but actually New York is going for Silicon Alley uh, since Eric Schmidt is now uh, living in New York, the new Alley. Um, and that company I grew from. Four Forty people to two hundred. I was, uh, you know, we. I, do, I did ninety percent of the revenues. We did roughly third fifty million in three years. And out of that, ninety percent is my was was my revenue. So the company's revenue was ninety percent coming coming from me. So that was my trigger. Where I said, well, shouldn't I do this for myself? Wouldn't it make sense?" So you know, that's uh, that was the trigger, and that's how I started Cogia. And Kogia is a, a big data AI company and it's basically my passion united it's macro catching all the data you know understanding market trends near real time it's very exciting and then AI uh, and text mining is just a natural process just to be you know maximize on your results and trying to get more out of your results it was a natural thing that we had to you know get you know, look at machine learning to improve our results, right? To get more out of the data. So that's the reason why actually we happen to have, you know, over ten years of big data AI know-how in 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 a space that at that time wasn't that hot. But now, now we're one of the lucky ones that that has over ten years experience in a very important space, and that's big data AI. And then, uh, you know, I came up. Uh, by hearing my friends suffering with crypto and research and, you know, having fear of scam. Uh, that's how I started then Coin Analyst, just because it's a spin-off out of Kovia, because I wanted to help my friends. And one of, my, one of those is a co-founder of that, Coin Analyst, which is the other company of mine. And Kovia is really the mothership. That's how it started. We are doing, uh, you know, our stuff, customer satisfaction monitoring for like Fortune 500 companies. But yeah, sorry. Go
0: ahead. Uh, Mm -hmm. That that, that was a point uh, I was trying to go for. What was like the final decision you made before you decided to venture out for you? And of course, always important for our listeners who are, early stage, first-time entrepreneurs, how did you get your first clients? Uh,
1: okay, as mentioned, like my big trigger for me um, to become an entrepreneur was, I mean, I grew a company from 40 to 200 people, and 90% of the revenues uh, came from me, so I thought it's not very fair. I'm not getting any of the upside. I, I got a couple, I mean, I made a half million, um, and I made 50 million for the others. It just, just, just didn't work out for me in that sense. So I said, look, I gotta do this for myself. And, um, so I started and I invested my money into my new venture, all of it. And I actually talked about it in the fuck up night also, uh, how I actually burned it quite fast. And I had some very exciting experience over there as well. Um, so w- my first customer, um, we how did I get them? I was of course, a little bit through contacts, you know, talking to your network and, and, and trying to you know, telling them what you're doing and so that's how you basically win your first deals uh, you know that's where you are willing to do uh, killer deals for them, right? A lot of goodies for a good price just to get your foot on the ground, right
0: And now take us through the journey so basically you started some text recognition and with ai and then somehow ended up with customer satisfaction uh, how did this journey go and we may add that it was like more than 11 years ago that you founded kogia
1: yeah so it's a long time yeah you, we pivoted a bit uh, i uh, we went through quite a bit of uh, you know Interesting uh, evolutions. Number one, we wanted to go and do you know social media monitoring because that was exciting to me. That's big data. I can use sentiment analysis, you know, uh, with, with with natural language processing, which is the first piece actually considered to be part of AI. Is NLP, machine learning, and deep learning? So that's actually the first introduction into that er- world. Um, and we, I thought, I thought that area is so exciting. It was language are complex to identify so this is so this is how, that's why we you know we focus on the area of text mining sentiment analysis and you know the big data means you know crawling technology we have actually a patent uh, also out there for our crawler uh, very unique methodology that we use um, in crawling the data so we started uh, uh, you know, in, in in the area of social media monitoring. I, I thought this is the best place to apply our, our capability. The, te- the capability is text mining. The capability is, you know, crawling big amount of data because, you know, we, we were specialized in crawlers. Um, I had that background. We had that background. And, yeah, that's how uh, we started. And then uh, we had fierce competition coming out of the U.S., <laughs> And unfortunately, then we said, okay, that, that, that's getting not fun. It's a hard market to win these marketing guys. Let's find our niche. And then we identified that the niche that wasn't occupied was customer satisfaction. And here we were able to succeed and be better than the competitors. Like, we, like small Kogia is competing against Qualtrics. Uh, Qualtrics right now valued $24 billion. And we beat them 30 times uh, in, you know, it's like win, having co- having like Darmstadt 98, which is a soccer team in Darmstadt, where I'm from. Um, it's second league comp- uh, team beating Barcelona, which is a champion league team 30 times. So that was my trigger. I said, look, I'm actually Champions League in this area. I should, you know, get the proper funding for that too. That's that when we get down to why I went to the listing area is trying to get the funding to help me, you know, grow and, you know, become a sustainable Champions League player, not just a, a lucky one that just was lucky for a season, but I want to make it sustainable. Anyway, so talking like in you know, metaphors kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what do you do for this... Uh... Customer satisfaction. Before we get into how you got listed,
1: um, I didn't catch your question in the beginning. What do you mean with customer satisfaction?
0: What what kind of services you actually provide there? You monitor the behavior of the clients on the website. You you uh, basically analyze the feedback, the social media content they are posting about your brand. What do you actually do there?
1: Okay, yeah. In this case, actually, the majority of the customers you know, control the touch point, e- like through email with the internal customer base. They, once they had, uh, it's more like in the after sales. So once you've had the contact with the company, the company emails you with a link and asks you if, you, if your experience was that great that you would uh, recommend it, maybe would you recommend it to your friends or to your contacts? And that's called not net promoter score, the NPS is the big thing that brought like a big drive for us, because it's just reduces everything to one question. One to 10, would you recommend this dealer, this shop, this product, this company to your network, to your friends? And, and, and then the, the question is, explain why you have given like a one or a five or eight or 10. And that explanation of why is the text that we analyze automatically and classify and, 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 or, and you know, we're doing sentiment analysis there, emotion analysis, all those, you know, pattern recognition applications with that text. And we, the main focus was analyzing those comments that came back via mail. Uh, it could be like, it, and through the call center. The call centers called the customers and they typed in the feedback and we had that digital feedback uh, also analyzed. Now, we expanded with social media interest because in the beginning they didn 't care that much for it, start due to corona that enhanced everything, so now they couldn't you know avoid the fact that hey you have to also look at your touch point social media because partially that's your only way how you're getting in touch with your contact with the customers so you might want to analyze that touch point and that means like a Google Maps and your personal social media sites and And that that was a strength of ours that we were able to hook into those APIs and forums, whatever is relevant. We can catch that data very easily and integrate it in your one central customer satisfaction dashboard and then also include like the whole process of creating an issue management, like tickets like that to assign somebody to take care of it.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, now we get an understanding what you've been doing, how your journey has been so far. And now take us through the journey of getting listed on the open market on the Dusseldorf stock exchange. We may add that we will talk about two different legal entities for now. Um, the Kogia AG, that's the entity that's actually listed. And that is basically a PLC company. So one that has shares that can get listed and a GmbH. Which is, um, something like a LEC, LLC company that is privately, usually privately held and the shares are not supposed to be traded. Um, so my understanding is you set up an additional company, uh, Kogia AG and then got it listed on the OTC market. On the open market at uh, Düsseldorf Stock Exchange, which is one of the smallest stock exchange operators here in Germany, right?
1: Correct. Uh, Well, what I did is, before I did that move, I created the AG, which in Germany, for the people that listen to us internationally, has a a higher threshold to be created. It requires, compared to a GmbH, four times or two times more amount of cash minimum for a small AG. Um, So you need at least like, you know, 50,000 euros to get get an AG founded, which is a mini AG, you can have them bigger, our AG is based on a 3.5 million capital, right? But, uh, you know, with 50,000, that's the minimum. And that's quite a barrier of entry, you know, having 50,000 euros uh, to start. And then the GmbH, by the way, is only uh, 12,500 euros, right?
0: in terms of paying capital but tr- we, we will try to keep the accounting terms as slow, as low as possible so you you set up this legal entity that can be listed and you got a shares listed on the open, o, um, on the OTC market uh, open market in Dusseldorf stock exchange and then what
1: okay so so first we created the AG And we, the small, before we get listed, and then then we introduce, we did like like a reverse takeover, basically, of my GmbH into the AG so that you have the operational business in the AG, right? It's like the holding structure. And once you have done that, you give the company substance because without substance, you couldn't just get listed. So the the company had to have something, and because it owned all the assets of the, the GmbH, that was the baseline that we applied to Dusseldorf if we could get listed. Now, Dusseldorf, uh, you know, they go in, you know, you have to prepare everything. You have to have your audited not books. So there's a whole homework of things that you need to do before you can apply to a stock exchange and try to get listed. So all that homework needs to be done before. And once, so you have to have all your, uh, you know, audited paperwork, all your all your stuff organized, well-prepared, prepared expose like uh, we created, like, you know, like either you have a, you know, you, you, you do a pamphlet, like uh, a brochure, which is like, you know, 50,000 euros that you have to pay so it's co- that you can market your uh, going public uh, project or you do it without it. And then you still have to do a light prospect, which is at least like 30 pages. All that work needs to be done with all your financials and your futures. Once you have all that prepared, which takes uh, you know quite a bit of time, um, then you you can try to apply at the exchange. And the exchange looks at your application and then decides you have to apply. You have to present yourself like a job position almost, right? And explain to them why they should list you and you know give them faith that you are. Uh, a good company to go with, especially when you are kind of small like me. I mean, we were, we are like a micro cap. So normally exchanges want people to have a little bit more beef on the, on them. Uh, so we, for them considered like one of the smallest, uh, you know, listings, I think. However, what they liked was the big data, AI technology, the future that we're bringing in, um, our outlook. That we had great customers and the rollout. I mean, at that point, I had, you know, kind of informally already a uh, new array that I'm going to win Volkswagen worldwide. Uh, I had BMW already in 30 countries. So we have Lufthansa. All those good things that they that they they felt comfortable to go that route to let us uh, go public. Right. So that was the process. Well, so it was quite a hard process. We didn't apply only for Düsseldorf. We tried also other. Uh but just the way our timeline was was quite tight. We wanted to be public uh by the end of 2020, still, right? We we, we came out on the 18th. Many of them didn't want to do this stuff anymore. They said, hey, with this holiday period, and it's it's not not everybody is open.
0: Uh Pascal, du musst ein bisschen näher rankommen. Yeah, ja, viel besser, weil stellenweise hat man nur bis zu deinem Mund gesehen. Alles gut. Uh Maru, please cut the German speaking part out. Thank you. Um, Yes, you've been talking about like a micro cap. Um, I was I was looking. uh, We were recording this on 15th of November. And when I look at this, uh, you have a market capitalization somewhere around nine million US dollars. That's not too big, but it's a start. You were talking about, uh, talking about a prospect. So a prospectus, that's basically a document the lawyers, uh, make for you. Basically, they go through all your company and, uh, display in the appropriate legal way, all the risks, all the opportunities to the potential investors and they can go through it. And after they've read it, in case you understand it it's no easy language no easy numbers then you you feel well prepared to actually invest there that is uh what are you guys doing um when you look a little bit through the numbers in the investment relation investor relations um uh, i really like that because then you really have a a great source of numbers here in germany since uh, many companies are pub uh, are privately held you don't get access to all the numbers and I realized um, you guys did not post any revenue for uh, 2020 or 2021, but it's more an accounting gimmick than actually uh, missing revenue, right?
1: Yeah, it's just what it needs to be publisher. Uh, we, we did this, what we had to buy uh, the balances that we have to publish, we published, of course, we we are forced to publish and that what is required the legal requirements we publish of course
0: Mm -hmm. exactly and um so since you're doing zero revenue right now according to your investor relations document it's a growth investment or how is the story there
1: it's a growth investment yeah and we are using we're, we're trying to raise money also to help us grow not just to invest for the growth in organic growth, but to also have unorganic growth. So that means we are looking to raise money, <clears throat> sorry, to do M&As, Merge and Acquisitions, strategic Merge and Acquisitions to help accelerate the growth. So the, the growth has two components to it, which is the organic and unorganic uh, method. That's why Elastic was our first acquisition by the way. Uh, so we, we said it. We promised we're going to do it, and we executed. it. I was pretty excited that I was able to, you know, execute very fast after my capital raise uh, on my first M&A, which I, you know, announced that I was planning to do it this year.
0: So it has to be growth investment, right?
1: Yeah. So it we have currently with the AG, which is listed, we have zero revenue, right? Because of, because however we have done the, the consolidation. We entered, introduced the GMBH into the mother company, basically, in the holding. Now that's how the mother company can consolidate and present the revenue. And, and with other acquisitions, it all also consolidates. Or when we grow, it consolidates as well because the growth will be shown in the AG numbers. So that's how we can start with a fresh company that actually had zero revenue, like a holding structure. Uh, and and be listed with it because it uses the revenue of its daughter companies basically and can consolidate it as its own revenue to the outside world.
0: Uh, Bottom line for everybody without an accounting degree, um, you you can only show the revenues at the end of the year because the company says, okay, that's all that I own and that's all the revenues I'm showing and it shows the subsidiary uh, revenues of uh, Kogia there.
1: Exactly. So Thank you, Joe. That was a difficult birth, <laughs> but uh, I appreciate it for your help. Yeah.
0: So you're listed for many reasons, including the opportunity to make a takeover. You've already acquired a company. Can you take us through this journey there?
1: Exactly. So part of our growth strategy is the unorganic growth. So, so uh, we had looked at the target already. I started it um, last year. October, November, October, October, I started looking at it and then we reached out to the target. I understood how much it started to cost and then then we went public and that's why you know, I ra- we raised some money. And that was the baseline that we used. And while we did that, we had already discussions with, and had a term sheet already uh, planned. Even so we didn't have even have yet any money yet, but we were planning to get it so there was a you know a plan behind it. So all that process uh, worked in parallel and then once we successfully uh, did our placement, a successful placement right now, we did it in uh, May uh, June, May June roughly in that time period, we raised 1.5 million euros. So I had with that the baseline of my first payment, installment payment of my acquisition, which is Elastic, which we are totally excited. We bought Elastic.io and it's an iPass. It's an integration platform as a service. And, um, we just bought it September 10th and it, that was, it was a big act. It was an exciting process to go through all the due diligence. We went from a human due diligence, I make sure I had the management behind it, because I did, if I do the move, I needed to make sure I don't lose anybody, being in the IP space, being in software, the, the capital of the, in, in an asset is not, not the tangibles, but the, the non-tangibles, meaning the people are my, my, my assets. So the most important thing for me was not to lose anybody um, of that company or not to lose anybody good. That's all, folks. Find more news, streams,
0: events, and interviews at www.startuprad.io. Remember, sharing is caring.